Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of the podcast is number 19. I have my buddy Ross from Ross Talks on, the guy who got me started in podcasting. And I just kind of wanted to ask him a little bit about his life and uh, some of the things that he uh, went through and some of the things he's learned. So we go through a lot of his life. We get into a little bit of religious theology that's not to be con- con, um, confused with religion. It's uh, theological perspectives. And we, we get into a, a few different things in this podcast. Um, I, I thought it was very interesting. I really enjoyed interviewing him and uh, getting to know him better. He's a great guy. And I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, welcome to the Esoteric Gladiator podcast. I'm Jeremy Lipsy. I'm your host with the most. Um, and I'm here with Ross from Ross Talks. Say hello, Ross. Hello. Good to be back. Good to be back. And Ross is here at my new home. We uh, we actually have a view of the ocean oh. here. Um, I, I just moved. It's it's amazing that uh, during COVID nineteen, I I wasn't able to get uh, unemployment. Uh, I never received a stimulus check. I was turned down for the small business loan, but somehow I'm still flourishing. Imagine that. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with where your mind's at. Uh, but back to the podcast at hand with Ross from Ross Talks. Um, we're going to be interviewing him today and, and finding out a little bit about him because Ross is the guy that got me into podcasting. I had some microphones and a computer set up, but he showed me the proper, you know, what is the focus right soundboard or what is yeah, that? Interface. Interface. And uh, he got me rocking and rolling and showed me how to, how to do it and with GarageBand and all that. So, uh, Ross, where were you born? I was born in Mount Vernon, Illinois, Southern Illinois. It's a, it's a very small area. I uh, Mount Vernon is a county above the town in which I grew up, which is Benton, Illinois. Uh, it's the largest town in the county. Just to give, a, just to put some perspective on how small the area is I'm from, it, Benton, Illinois, it was the largest town in the county of Franklin County, and has seven thousand people. And it, by far the biggest town in the county. So very rural. Um, my high school was a consolidation of, I think I counted it before, it's a consolidation of about of two towns and about six townships. Uh-huh. And my graduating class had 112. Wow. So very small. Very small. Only Walmart And what kind of businesses were, were around there? A lot of fast food. Um, Imagine that. A lot of fast food. Uh, there are a lot of small mom and pop shops. Uh, well, there were. <laughs> in the yeah, there were yeah. That's, that's let's see what, how many mom and pop shops are open after this um, bullshit. The big, the big business that was in the area just before I was born. When I was born in 1992, was at the time these were beginning to move out, and that's coal mining. There was a lot of coal mining uh, in southern Illinois, and it was the main source of income for most families for probably 50 years through the mid-20th century. What about farming? 
Farming's a big one. What which which kind of what kind of uh, uh corn, soybeans, uh those all, are the two biggest. All the really unhealthy stuff. Eat corn and soybeans. The thing with farming is are a lot of the farmland pesticides. Do you remember? For sure. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh a lot of the farming I and I've got some really good friends who who run family farms and uh and they're great people. Uh but it seems like there are the, the farmland is not dispersed. It's like Huge chunks are owned by families, you know. Okay, which is not right or wrong. It's not a judgment. Just yeah, yeah. It it doesn't employ as well, many it's, people it's, as coal yeah, mining. It's, it's like a, my dad was a police officer. I'm a police officer. Yeah, and so the biggest uh, company in the area is a, a Continental Tire. So it's a tire manufacturer. General Tires, I think, is another name they use. Uh, it employs like ten thousand people or something mm-hmm. like that. So in a town. In a place where the biggest town in a county is seven thousand, employing ten thousand people is is a big, Absolutely. big place. So, um, that's where I grew up. Very small, like I said, farmland. I grew up running through the woods with my friends and and, sh- you know, redneck, freaking backwoods shenanigans. I wonder if if any of those. Um, have you heard from any of your friends at the farms? If this. If the COVID thing has affected them, they're still farming. Okay. Um, so I that, don't. That, that seems like it would be a necessary business, right? right? the The problem is I, and I haven't talked to them about this. Is the supply chain problem? So I don't know if you've heard about oh, this. Oh yeah, I've but, heard about it. But like, go on. The supply chains for a farmer to be successful, it's not just about successfully growing a crop to harvest. It's having a market to sell that crop. Absolutely, you can have a shitload yeah, of corn, and if nobody all wants the closing corn, restaurants, right. and all that shit. So your product's not being able to 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 go. So I don't know how that's affecting them. Um, from everything I've seen, just casually, you know, keeping up with them online and stuff, it doesn't seem like that's been an issue for them specifically. Uh-huh. But it seems like things are business as usual on the farm okay. uh, there in Southern Illinois. So. Uh, do you have siblings? I do. Two younger twin brothers. Oh, that must have been fucking awesome. Yeah, three... Did you like being their older brother? Yeah, I did. Two younger twin brothers. They're three years younger than me. Uh, do you Drew... guys? Do they look like you? Yeah. Uh, uh, you're gonna have to show me a picture. Sometime. Yeah, for sure. I'll pull one up. Um, yeah, we had a great childhood. I think together we were. Uh, um, when were their birthdays? December twenty second. Oh, you had a little Capricorn Sagittarius Cusp okay. brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the uh, were they hyper as fuck or what? Oh yeah, we were all like little Tasmanian devils. Uh, <laughs> and my mom, single mom, like <laughs> I've broken my mom's ribs. Oh, I've, uh, wrestling like, with yes. her. So oh, we would jerk. wrestle nonstop. Did, was, did your mom like to wrestle? Oh, she'd jump in, man. She's a she's a baller. She would hop in. Okay. She'd jump on the tramp. Your mom's birthday. Uh, August fourteenth. Oh, she's a Leo. Yeah, they're savages. Yeah, she's Ross a savage. Is a Scorpio. When's your birthday? October twenty sixth. Yeah, guys, I'm in, I'm into that weird esoteric yeah, shit. That's right. It's hundreds of thousands of years old, even though modern yeah, science yeah. tells us it's not real. The uh, so the the we just grew up wrestling nonstop. Like our house was just rambunctious. We were just three boys. Close enough in age that I was able to whip ass. I mean, think about but, the wrestling personalities when we were little kids, man. I mean, I'm sure oh. you remember the classic wrestlers, fucking Hogan, Ultimate Warrior. Yes, fucking yes. Ric Flair. Whoa! Right. 
Yeah, it that was our life. And so our moms our mom would like she'd like jump in and get in the action. Well, one time I uh, there's my brothers. Ross DDT'd his mother. One time uh we got were, were they on the wrestling team too? They were. They uh their story's a little more complicated. Okay. We'll get into uh, that later. Um but my mom jumped in one time and I was like, "Oh yeah, you want some of this?" and I picked her up. I like got I got behind her just did like a quick lift. Oh. And put her down, and she started like she started going, ow, 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 and I was like kicking her. And I was like, get up, you're not hurt, get up, like oh, you playing. She was playing. How and old were you? I was like 18. Oh, <laughs> what a prick! And, and so I was like, I, for after a second, my brother was like, yo, stop. <laughs> and I get down, and she like can't breathe, and her face is red, and tears in her eyes, and I was like, oh no. So she went to the hospital, and I like had a cracked rib. I was oh, kicking my mom dude. when she was down. Oh, you were kicking her in the ribs? I was ribs? kicking her when she was down. Yeah, dude, I was kicking. But it was like... Is your mom still a tough old bird? Oh, dude, yeah. She'll she'll get in and scrap if you want her to. My dad's a Leo. He's a fucking yeah. maniac. So we would just... We would go... Uh, like, we would do all kinds of stuff uh, like that. We were just wild. And I don't were think... Were you protective of your little brothers? Yeah. Or did you? Are you the? I don't need to protect them. They're a gang. They're protecting no, me. Uh, no, I still feel very protective of them. Uh, maybe to a fault. How old are they? They're twenty four. And how old are you? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Okay. Cool. Right on. But uh, yeah, they have um, they have a, a little more drama in their life. I think okay. that uh, they're they're high. They didn't finish high school. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean shit. No. Some of the most successful business owners I know never graduate. Right. Um their their problem is just constantly finding friends with the wrong kind of people. And it has led them down a road over the last five or six years that has party, been huh? difficult. Yeah. Drug addiction. Train. Stuff like what that. What kind of drugs? Um ch- both of them have had bouts. Recreationally doing shit. one one of them um, has had a real addiction to meth oh. for a, a bit. Uh, a he's mixed up with some gangs stuff and owes people money, and it's very Can't scary. Just get addicted to weed, little bro. I know. You know what I mean. I know. I uh, I uh, one of one of them has been doing great. He just moved back to town. Are they living? He got a job. Each other still? No. Were they? Did they? Were they? The, were they the conventional twin brothers? Stuck did, did together. Ever, everything together. They everything the together. Same, all that? They're connected in a different way. Um, they have a relationship that no one will ever have with yeah. either of them, and I recognize that. Um, one of them feels like the other brother's keeper, you know, in a way more powerful way than. I feel like their keeper, yeah, over their keeper. and I understand that. Uh, but yeah, I just, I'm very protective of them. I want them to be, have the best opportunity that they yeah. possibly can. It's just been a kind of a struggle over the last few years, but Chase has got his old job back. He's renting a house. He's living on his own. He's doing his things. So, you know, that's really good for me to hear. I, I like hearing that he's getting things moving. Chris is still kind of, Struggling through some stuff, but I hope he can come out on the other side in a good way. But yeah, growing up, um, we were tight. I I actually have some regrets 
uh, during like when I was in high school and I and I also understand this is really common like to be this way but I went through a phase where I didn't want them to hang out I didn't want to hang out with them yeah because they're your little brothers they're right like, oh, and I remember a couple of times them like asking if they could come with on certain occasions and I would t- I just told them no oh yeah and uh, I don't know, man. I think as things have turned out over the years, and I've had a pretty good lot, and they haven't had such a good lot, I've just felt a little bit like guilty, like maybe I should have spent more time. You That's know, with just them the way shit goes. My little brother died 16, 17 years ago, man. Uh, way different story than uh, your little brother's, but uh, I mean. Yeah, that was, you know, and then, like, I felt guilty because I didn't reach out to him. Yeah. And he had a lot of fucking, he had, like, more, like, he was, like, a special ed kid. Mm. He had a lot of, like, mental problems. But I remember when he died, you know, we last time I had seen him before he died, we got in this huge argument because he was having, you know, he's, like, getting girls in group homes pregnant that mm. were, like, you know, they're all special ed kids in these right. group homes. These guys fucking know it, and they put them in co-ed group homes, and the kids, they have babies. Well, a lot of the families, you wind up in group homes if y- usually if you don't have a lot of money, right? Right. So a lot of the families can't take these kids. So where do the kids wind up? In foster care. Yeah. So what does that mean? Money for foster care. Or, heaven forbid, if you don't have family – and you wind up in foster care, where where might you wind up? If if you follow shit and you pay attention to shit, you might wind up as one of those ring. exactly in a pedophile ring. Yeah. And you'll uh, be another missing kid somewhere. Yeah, and, and you know and you know, of course people are be like, Oh, that's ridiculous. Like, it's time to wake up, dum dums. It's twenty twenty. Open your eyes, have clear vision. If you if you can seriously live uh, your life and and totally deny the fact that With children get snatched up and molested on a regular basis. 800,000 children a year. They're living year. under a rock. Right? right. There's Where no- are all the bodies? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. But. So now tell me um, some of your favorite things to do as a kid. You said you like to run through the woods and wrestle with your brothers yeah. and— um, I was, uh, I mean, when I was really young, like, you know, grade school, uh, we would go to my uncle's house and he had some property with a pond and we would just run. I mean, just, just typical, like nature, 10 to 12, you know, eight to 12 years old. Just, yeah. Like, and running around, getting mm-hmm. in, getting in the pond and swimming and fishing. Get and, out of the pond. Yeah. Just running. I did not want to be inside. If the sun was out, I did not want to be inside. So. so did you grow up in like a, 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 a middle class or lower no, middle I would class say like or definitely under the poverty line okay. for sure. We, okay. there was bouts where we didn't have like electricity sometimes. Okay. Like, uh, the the amazing part of that this is I don't I don't want any sympathy either, no fuck uh, because I had a good childhood. It's always it's always when you get out of all that bullshit you're like oh thank God that happened I'm not a pussy yeah, yeah. Uh, like my mom when the electricity went out we never went long stints without electricity it would just be like for the next couple of days where yeah got no lights yeah. 
So my mom would, we'd have candlelight dinners. Light a candle, motherfucker. My mom would make spaghetti or something, and wow. we would just have candles. And it would be the special thing, you know? It wasn't a, oh, we're down on our luck. She would, like, make it so that we felt like it was a special thing, you oh, know? Fine. So I did not know we were as poor as we were uh-huh. growing. I didn't know until I was older. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had, n- I don't. I don't ever remember ever going to a store and buying new anything. Okay. Ever. Okay. We went to Goodwill and stuff, and I thought that was the shit. I mm-hmm. thought that was like that was awesome because they had all kinds of cool stuff, and yeah. I could get like a new pair thrift of pants. stores in the eighties and nineties were yeah. off the the charts. Yeah. And then people discovered them. Yeah. In the mid to late nineties, and were yep. like, oh yeah, but for the underground Dude. people that knew about them, Dude, I could get like new skate shoes. Shit. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until my mom got remarried when I was, I think I was a freshman in high school, that, uh, like, we got new stuff. I got a cell phone whenever she got married, and, like, that's when I started getting stuff that I realized, oh, most middle class, like, kids get this stuff yeah. regularly. Yeah. And to me, it was like freaking, it was like Christmas every day, yeah. you know? Like, there was always food in the house, like, uh-huh. just always uh-huh. after that. Um electricity never went out like the cave we had cable you know so but growing up yeah we were we were poor we were for sure poor uh i remember people bringing groceries to our house and my mom this is why this is a big reason why i believe in uh the power of community and and christian community Uh when it's done right is safe space six feet of distance what's that social what's that called Social distancing. Social distancing. Stay away. Be afraid of each other, guys. There was a time where it was particularly difficult and, you know, groceries were tight. And a bunch of people from my church just rolled up to our house with truckloads of groceries, man. And my mom just sat on the stairs crying. Yeah. And I was a little kid. And even then I realized, like, these people are, like, saving us. Yeah. And my mom just broke down. Like, couldn't. Uh. So, yeah, I mean, that that changed my life. And as I got older, even growing more appreciative of those people who just cared, you know. They just cared. They didn't want this single mom, like, because she went back to school. You want to hear something absolutely crazy? Dad leaves. I'm four. My brothers are one. He just leaves. Ghosts. No no child support. Just when, gone. When was the last time you saw your dad? So, uh, so he leaves when I was four. I'll do a quick blow through this okay, story, yeah. and then we can get into the details of this if you're interested. Yeah, sure. He leaves when I'm four, and he kind of stays around town for like it maybe like a year, I remember, because I remember going to wherever, whatever house he was staying in, like for a weekend or something. It's very uh, vague, but I was four or five. Yeah, yeah. And then he's just gone. Gone. Vanished. And he would call on Thursdays. And I remember as a kid, and I do it to this day, and it's just something that happened to me. It's not something I do consciously. Yeah. When I'm talking on the phone and the and I'm anxious, I'll run. I'll walk in circles. I'll just walk in a circle and I'll look at my feet, and that's what I used to do. When my dad called, ah. and he would call, and I would be like anxious as a five year old, you know. Uh-huh. And I just walk in circles in the kitchen, and I would like watch my feet walk while I talk. I still do that, but um. The calls ended like a couple months, and it's just gone. Couple years go by. When I'm nine years old, I get off the bus from school with my uh-huh. brothers, and we're walking home. 
and I see a truck parked in front of our house. And as I get closer, I realize it's he's sitting on our steps, like my dad, who I haven't even heard from in probably four years, uh-huh. is just here. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to Pizza Hut. I remember my mom being like uncomfortable. I remember noticing that my mom is uncomfortable. Uh huh. Because he just showed up. Yeah, he just showed up. I realized later she thought he was going to kidnap us. Um, I was sitting next to him. He asked me what kind of pizza I liked. I told him I liked thin crust pizza, and he said me too. And then he, I remember him looking down at me as other people were talking, and him saying, "I'm going to be around more, bud." And that is the last time I saw him uh, until I was 24. When I was 24, he sent me a video message. I, d- I didn't know where he was. Yeah. I didn't know if he was alive or dead. He sent me a video message telling me he had cancer and he can't travel. He's got stage four lung cancer and he would love to meet me. Long story short, I flew. He was living in Squim. What? Yeah, he was living in Squim. Oh, yeah, that's right, because your uncle yeah. lives in... Okay. And so I fly up here. I spend five days with me, me, my my gr- my my wife, and my two brothers. Flew up here, spent five days with him, and he died five months later. But that's my relationship. That's pretty much the extent of what. The- what was your dad... What do you think your dad was into? Was he a drug addict? He was an alcoholic, yeah. Okay. He did... He, did t- he told me never really... Because... It, it got brought up in a weird way. I never wanted kids or some shit. No. Um, he just, he he really was troubled. So what I learned later was when he married my mom, the same year, it was either the same year or the year after, both of his parents died of brain cancer. Oh, uh, cancer is rampant in the family. And then my mom's mom died of, of brain cancer Jeez. in their first year of marriage. Okay, but did they grow up in Illinois? Yes. Bam! Pesticides. Yeah, so check this out. So that goes into something else. Remind me to circle back to that. About For what, pesticides or brain cancer? About brain cancer in my community. Yes. My aunt died of brain cancer, hey, too. No, oh, guys, it's just a coincidence that I guessed that. They'd- my, uh... My aunt died of brain cancer too. Yeah, they say it's not hereditary, but they all died of the same brain it's cancer. Not, it's probably not hereditary. It's last pesticides. Y- last year or two years ago, three kids under the age of nine died of the same brain cancer. Uh-huh. They live within seven miles of each well, other. Well, in, in in Kauai, when I lived there, uh, the kids would show up because Monsanto is in Sagenta and Pioneer are rampant on that island. Um, the children would go to the, the 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 doctors all the time with you know stomach problems and lung problems and and it, did, it was it was bizarre because the propaganda of Monsanto would somehow trick and confuse the community there because a lot of the people worked for Monsanto and right. stuff so they would support Monsanto over their own community yeah. You know what I mean? Because they were getting money and they were addicted yeah. to sugar and alcohol and the the word the word is it's either in the water system. They're not sure what, but there's there's enough cases now that have gone around that it's gotten the attention of some people like something's fishy. There are too many people dying of the same kind of brain cancer that's supposed to be super rare and they all live in the same county. Well well be, right. think about what pesticide is. It's a neurotoxin and it, a lot of people don't realize that pesticide isn't wasn't made for killing bugs. It was leftover stock from uh, you know World War II and Vietnam 
that was a biological weapon of war. So what they did was is they distilled the uh, DDT or Agent Orange or whatever whatever bullshit they're using um, as pesticides. And so they watered it down. So this was never meant to be a bug killer. It was always a human killer. And lo and behold. Yeah, so it's just crazy. And that, so so I came up here. We spent five days with them. Spent, there, there's a lot more to that story, like a powerful moments in that story that shaped my life. But um, do you want to get into that or no? Sure. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so let me start from from the the very first contact my dad reached out to me when you with. were twenty four. No, it happened a little bit before that, but it was oh. very so. He comes back when I was nine. I told you that story. And when he disappears after the, that time, yeah. he complete ghost. I had no idea. Nobody had any idea where he was from or where, where he was, where he was, if he was alive or dead. Nobody had any idea. Uh-huh. And to be honest with you, I never even thought twice about it again. Yeah, because you were used to it. Out of sight, out of mind. Uh-huh. Truly. Like, I wasn't yeah. a kid who bitter, like, my dad, I, I wasn't. Yeah. He just it was gone. I, my like mom. You had a great mom. I had an amazing mom. She even, just to put in perspective, like maybe my tenth birthday or, or or Christmas when I was ten or something. I had an uncle who bought us bikes. No, an aunt. My dad's sister. She okay. would occasionally call. Yeah. She bought us bicycles, and told my mom to tell us it was from my dad. Did your mom do that? Yeah, she did. So for a, for a while, I thought my dad like sent us bikes. She told me later in life that that wasn't the case. But like, yeah, she probably kind of good. She time, never maybe. wanted us to. She never said a, a cross word about my dad. Never. Never said he's a piece of shit. Never put it in our heads that he was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. We never talked about him. And I respect her for that because how easy would it have been to just yeah, shit on the guy? Yeah. She never did that. Never did that. Well, fast forward. I'm senior in high school. I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm 17 or 18, and I'm at I'm at wrestling practice over Christmas break. A We're gonna get into practice. your wrestling shit in a minute. Cool. Or later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this guy walks in to practice. This I've never seen him before. And he goes, Ross Worthy here? And I was like, yeah, it's me. He goes, here's a letter for you. And you look just like your dad. And he leaves. I don't even know his name. To this day, I don't know who it was. I open the card. I'm like, my dad? Who the, what? It's a Christmas card from my dad. With 50 bucks in it. I have not heard from him since I was nine. 50 bucks in it. It's some Hallmark Christmas card. Yeah. Hey, it's me, Dad. Love ya. Merry Christmas. And I went into a full-on tailspin right there in wrestling practice in front of everybody. I went back to the locker room, started flipping lockers, punching yeah. lockers in. Yeah. I just, it like triggered something. Yeah, you like, snapped. Like well, this could, motherfucker. No, I could see that after this story you told me. That's probably how I would react. Yeah. So, there's no contact information like what am i supposed to do with this now like oh no no he put his phone number in there i remember that he put his phone number in there 
months go by. And you probably didn't even want to spend the fucking money. No, I wanted to burn it. You know, I wanted yeah. to burn it. Months go by, and something just kind of sticks in my mind of like, there's some intrigue. Like, part of me, I'm now in full blown animosity toward him. Like, it just triggers. Yeah. I'm, now I'm a young man, and you've been wrestling, and I've been wrestling, and and now, most importantly. As I've gotten older, and especially as my mom got remarried to a wonderful guy, still married to him, I love him, I call him dad. Um, I'm able now to see just the struggle. Like every year that I get older, even now. You mean with your father? I look back, no, the struggle of being a single mother with three boys. Okay, like yes. I'm able to look back and go, yes. wow, I can't believe she did that. She went back to school and got her bachelor's degree and worked full time and raised three boys on her own. Like, Worked herself off of food stamps as a single mother. A woman of great determination. Yeah. But I'm able to see, like, how he, like, basically threw her life into, like, emergency mode every day. Yeah. And that just burned me. And then he reached out to me, like, his, like, yeah, oh, just burned scraps. Me. Yeah. So... I'm like seething on this, mm -hmm. like as as the months go on. But there's a part of me who's like, I do want to like talk to him, because it is my dad. Yeah, like it's my dad. I'm yeah, a yeah. part of him. Of course. Um, so I eventually reach out to him, and he gets a Facebook, and he adds me on Facebook, and so I accept his friend request, and uh, we start messaging on Facebook, and. Uh, just like very, very surface level messages like, hey, how, how, what are you up to? Um, how's wrestling going? Just really basic stuff. Yeah. Very short conversations. And again, I'm so like. So you never called him? I never called him until we have a talk and he goes, hey, uh, I'd like to call you and, and uh, give you some information, see if you can help me out. And I was like, okay. So I call him. We've probably been doing this about six months. So I call him. Um, and he said he's a carpenter by trade. Apparently a pretty good one. Uh, hey, well, imagine that, Ross. Both of our fathers were drunk carpenters. Yeah. But we live totally different lives. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is crazy, man. Right? Wow. Uh, my, my, my dad was in my life beating my ass yeah. drunk, and your dad was vanished, vanished drunk. Vanished, gone. I don't know. And both both will fuck you up in different ways, True. man. Uh, so he calls me and says, hey, um, I've been living in Washington, and I'm thinking about coming back. I'd like to come back around. Now, mind you, I didn't put this together immediately, uh -huh. but at the time, I just turned 18. Uh-huh. So I'm locking that away. Like, by this time, I'm recognizing that in the phone calls we're having. Like, I'm 18. Oh, that means my mom can't, like, pursue any legal action. Because I'm an adult now. She can't, like, sue him for child support, like, stuff. So he he has waited until I have turned 18 to reach out to me. He hasn't reached out to my brothers at this point. Do you, do you remember what your dad's birthday was? May something. No, March something. He just had it. There is 50-something birthday. Okay. March 16th or is something. Is he still alive? No, he died. Okay. Um, so, so... He calls me and says, I'm thinking about moving back, and uh, the way it's gonna, I'm going to be able to do that is if I move back right away with work. 
and there's a place in Harrisburg, Illinois, which is just a little ways from my town, with some uh, property that I'm thinking about buying and flipping. And if it would be really helpful if you could go over there and take pictures of the property and send them to me, and I'll send you some money. And I was like, immediately, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip, I'm gonna take this cash and ghost him. I immediately had that in my mind. Uh-huh. So I was like, yeah, Western Union it. How much? Send me it? that money. It's like 150 bucks. Uh-huh. He sends me the money. I take the money. I'm and I'm not messaging him back. I'm not calling him. I'm like, screw uh-huh. you, man. This is what you get. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. wish you would have sent me more. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. And uh, he's sending me messages like, hey, I hope you got the first. He's like, hey, I hope you got the money. Please let me know if you had any problems. Um, a couple more days go by. He's like, hey, I just want to check in, see how the pictures are coming. A few more days go by. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm getting a little worried now. I, I feel like maybe you're ignoring me. And uh, one day I'm walking out of church, actually. Uh, it's a Wednesday night, and he calls my phone. And for some reason, I answer it. And I'm keyed up now. I'm like ready to have this freaking conversation. Yeah. Tell him off. He and I. As soon as he, I say hello, I can tell he's drunk. I can tell he's loose. Okay. Just in this speech. Loose as a goose on that juice. And he starts in on me. How dare you? You know. Blah, blah. And I go, listen, motherfucker. Standing right outside of church. Yeah, yeah. I go, listen, motherfucker. And I just start telling him exactly what I thought. And what I told him was, listen, I took your money. You're not getting it back, and I'm not taking your damn pictures. And if you got a problem with it, I'm inviting you. <laughs> I'm inviting you to come. Test my wrestling Because skills. I will fuck you up, and I will hide you in a place no one will ever find you. I told him I was going to kill him. Yeah. I said, come back, please. Got I'm inviting you. Got come that back. dark Scorpio vibe. Right. I was like, I'll, I'll do things to you you never even thought were possible. And I know places to hide you that no one will ever find you. And I will make it as miserable and long as I can if possibly make it. If anybody's going to get away with a murder, it's going to be a Scorpio. Dude. And I was ser- and I was freaking. And when you guys are vengeful, dude, worst sign to have vengeful against you. I was like shark eyes. Yeah. And in the moment, too, I remember having this sort of like out-of-body experience. Yeah. I had never had rage like this. And I remember having this out-of-body well, experience. Because you realized you'd become a man without his assistance. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, you're like, I didn't need your fucking help. Yeah. I'm a man. You're a punk. Right. Basically. And I said, uh, so I told him all this, and he's like, oh, and he's giving it to me back. He's like, oh, you, I bet <laughs> you would. I'd like to see you try. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I'll pay for the Jeez. plane ticket right now. Why are now. we laughing about this? I know. It's crazy, I'm, though. I'm a shitbag. But I'm looking outside of myself in the middle of telling him this, and I'm looking at myself like like scaring myself a little bit. Yeah. Because the reason it was scary is because I recognized that I meant that. Yeah. I meant it. I yeah. meant that shit. If he showed up, I would have. I'd probably be in prison. Because he not only harmed you and deserted you he deserted your whole but family I, I had never had a switch flip like that yeah. before i never liked fighting I, in fact i would lie to people i would lie to some of my closest friends about getting into fights just so that they wouldn't think i was so afraid of fighting uh-huh and 
a switch flipped on. Yeah. And I was like, listen, motherfucker, please come back. Because if you do, all the horror movies you've seen will not compare. even compare yeah. to the shit I would do to you. Yeah. And he's like, I'd love to see you try, you know, stuff like that. And he was drunk again, like, obviously needed some type of courage to call his oldest son who has just clearly ripped him off. Yeah. You know, he knew after trying to reach out, maybe rekindle a relationship. I throw my phone. I start punching a brick wall. I fly into a tailspin. I remember I have some of the best friends who were there when it happened. And when I launched my phone and started punching the wall, they just kind of like wrapped me up, man. Or like just like community. Yes. And they weren't trying to get me to stop. They were just trying to like, hey, let's go. Let's go somewhere. Yeah, let's, let's go get let's some go walk. thin crust pizza. Yeah, or let's go walk, dude. man. And they helped me through that. So that really shut off communication. For a while, probably a year. Mm-hmm. Well, during that year, I had become more serious about my commitment to uh, Christianity. Like I had, I had started to realize, grown up a little more. I was out out of high school. I had started to see just how important like that community was for my family. Mm-hmm. This is about the time I'm able to like look back and reflect on how they took care of my mom and me and my brothers. Yeah. Um, selflessly, like, like, like Christ consciously, you know, and I'm like, man, this is, this is how I'm going to be able to never forget that I need to do that for a family when I'm better off. That's, that's the thing that a lot of people that like to bash religions, they've caused all this war and all this murder and it's like. Bullshit! The atheist yeah. communist, the godless communist, Dude, killed the, more the bloodiest, people than every religion combined. Yeah, the bloodiest. And that's a fact. The bloodiest generation has been the 20th century, and it's that's been all godless communist experiments. Atheists, yep. uh, relying on the experts in yeah. modern science, back to pesticides and all this. Oh, we're just so advanced, but you can't tell me how the pyramids were built. Could right. you? And all these people were in touch with with a with a creator. They all believed in a creator. I don't know yeah. if it was a good creator or a bad creator. There is only one creator, but right, right you know. Right, and right. when you get into like religion and church and stuff like that, re- the 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 backbone is love, healing, That's and right. truth. And I'm not saying this as a Christian. I love the teachings of Christ. I, Moses is one of my favorite characters, but I also like Buddha. I, I, I like yeah. all of it. But it, it is love, healing, there's and a, truth. There's an there's a very obvious message that a lot of atheists, like dogmatic atheists, the ones who are really harsh, yeah, they just willfully ignore. And that is Jesus Christ's life is without question about sacrifice and love for the marginalized. That's what it is. Well, another interesting thing to note about atheists is have you ever noticed how many atheists are into superheroes and comic books? Yeah, they have a they have it. It's in their DNA yeah. to know there's there's a th- an authority beyond them. So they they can't find God, yeah. but they always think they're so fucking intelligent. It's like yeah. so you just limit your intelligence to the physical reality, even though hundreds of thousands of years, man, native, uh, 
all believed in an omnipotent force that was working for us. But modern man in the last 200 years has it all figured out, even though the fucking world is like, we know where it's going, particularly currently yeah. now. Yeah. It, yeah. We're thanks, re- guys. We're reaching in the public world like a more atheistic, secularized public world, nihilism. public space. Yeah. Ni- and it's nihilism. Nihilism. And that is deadly. Yeah. It's deadly. Yeah. Do it's, what thou wilt. It's been proven to be deadly. And so, like, so back to my story, like, Sorry about this time. No, 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 it's good. I like that. Uh, about this time, I'm realizing just how important that was to the, to the, to the development of my family. Like, they, they enabled my mom to spend just that much more time with us, and she didn't have to work another job mm-hmm. to make sure we had food. So I just became, like, I'm going to fall right all in on this. Like, I'm going to get all in. And so I, w- I told my pastor, I was like, I want to be a, a preacher. I want to be a pastor. Because I want to do this work because I believe in it. Mm-hmm. I believe in this. I'm a living example of the success of what a community who cares about the ones who can't provide for themselves can do. And, and what what people need to do is they need to get past the label of Christian, Muslim, yeah. Jewish, yeah. and just think about the psychology and, and 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 what these foundations mean to the people. Because yeah. right now, if we are in the end times, which some of us kind of speculate might be happening, you're going to see a massive amount of religions unifying. Because they're going to realize, oh, shit, we need each other. We need each other. And as long as we can— You call him Allah, I call him Jesus. Yeah, as long as we can agree on—because the other, the flip side of, of Jesus, what it means to be a Jesus follower, which is so cliche, but, but that's—it is a lifestyle where you surround yourself with people and stories that prevent you from forgetting how you're supposed to treat— the homeless and the poor in your neighborhood or the widow or the kid that you know has got a shit, a shit life, how you're supposed to talk to them, how you're supposed to treat them. And at the same time, how you're supposed to call out the freaking political elites and the religious freaking scumbags. That's what he did. That's what his ministry was. 6,000 years ago, Christ was fighting the bankers uh, Rothschilds, Banks That's of London. Right. Christ was fighting the religious institutions, yep. and Christ was fighting the politicians. I mean, fast forward six thousand years. What are our biggest problems today, ladies and gentlemen? That's right. So even if you don't believe in the Bible, the metaphors or or parables or whatever you want to call them, they ring true today. Now, when I study. Christianity or any of these religions, because I'm, I'm open to all of it. I love it. I look at all of these books, and if you look at them in this way, as somebody who's not, per se, a classic Christian, I look at them for the books of the arcane and, mm. and esoteric that they truly are, right? Right. How old was Christ when he died? 33. 33. Right? <laughs> I'm wearing a hat that says 33 yeah. on it because my number in numerology, my life path, is 33 it's the christ consciousness number the master teacher number and i know the bible is full of numerology and full of esoteric wisdom right right yeah that's right it's it's there it speaks 
So then it stops the, being like a religious institution. Well, yeah. the Lord is going to come down here from the tabernacle of the kingdom of heaven and anoint yeah. you. Then it becomes like, oh, shit, we're theologians in this book. We got we to gotta decipher this. And the other thing that people get lost on are a, a very 20th century fundamentalist reading of the Bible where – you either are reading it hyper literally or you like say, I can't read that because it's not that's that's all a bunch of a myth. The both sides are missing the point. Like these stories are myth in the sense of they're telling truth that is so layered and goes so much deeper. It doesn't need to be literal. There there are the stories in the Bible don't need to be literal to be telling you something true yes. about reality. Well, it's like Aesop's fables. Yes, exactly. They're, they're, those stories, yes, they're maybe Homer's not Odyssey. Maybe they're not literally true in the sense that a guy was lost at sea and three witches were whistled him yeah. to sleep. Like but the point is the the true things in that myth are so true. Yeah, watch out for the rocks. Dude, it it's so true. So so anyway, I go through this this kind of conversion where I'm like I need to reevaluate where um where I could be missing like the the cuz I'm I'm committed now where am I deficient and the most obvious one was I hated my dad I hated him mm-hmm. and I realized although I didn't do anything about it till years later I realized I couldn't keep doing that be- not be- not only because that's me rejecting him, which Jesus wouldn't do. But because hating anyone to the point that it's that it, it you're obsessing, you. it affects you. Yeah. And it was affecting me. But I didn't address it right away. So I'm so at the time Well, you I, had every right to be angry, bro. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. Of course. He he did a lot of wrong. Um I spend a year – I do some two years at junior college. I wrestle there. I basically just did it because they were going to pay for the school and it was free. I really didn't want to go. I barely pass. I failed health twice. <laughs> you know, just – I'm not – I don't like it. I take a year off after. I, I do two years. I don't graduate, but I do I do two years. And I take a year off to study theology with my pastor in the mornings. Mm. And we're just – basically reading a book and having discussions about it. And after a year, he goes, you know, if you want to do this more, you need to find a place where you can get with people who can really give you a a good structured environment to study this full time, like a school. I was like, okay, well, I don't have any money. So that's problem number one. And he's like, you figure it out. Like basically 19. So, um, I start just looking for 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 schools, you know, just start looking for schools and I find a couple that are cheap that I knew like I could eventually like afford wouldn't be crazy. It would be realistic, uh, like a fifth of the price of a typical university. So I go on these visits and each time I visit, it's just something's just not quite right. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel right don't really have any other explanation other than that there were some pretty crazy stories that happened there but eventually I land on a school in Dallas and my wife at the time she was my girlfriend her aunt invited me to live with 
her family in Dallas if I wanted to go to this school, which at the time housing was a big problem for me because that was going to be a big bulk of the cost. Uh-huh. Well, they just invited me to live for free. Like it immediately cuts the cost in half. I've heard really good things about Dallas too. Yeah. So you moved to Dallas. So I mo- so I decide, okay, I'll go to this school. It's going to save me time. And I go to this school that is to this day the one of the most formative places I've ever spent any time. Um the professors there were just they were challenging but they cared. Uh it's unique. Like it was a very unique place. No, was this a Christian university yes. or just a, Private a, a Christ- religious? Uh, it was a theologian. Christian. It was a Christian university, and my degrees in biblical studies. So I did took like Hebrew and Greek. I did ancient religion histories. Oh, nice. I did history on ancient Mesopotamia. I read like the ancient Sumerian creation myths, compared them with the Genesis myths, and like so you historical know, criticism. So you would know about the patterns in these religions. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you, so it's you, all I studied. That's so you, so there, there is parallels between multiple religions. Yeah, correct? like these stories are are so ancient. Like, yeah. what people don't realize is, writing on paper, is in the scheme of like human existence, relatively new. You yeah. could write on yeah. stone, and stone was hard, so not you couldn't just write your journal Cuneiform. out on stone. Yeah, you put important shit on stone. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and so. Prior to that, it was all verbal stories. They were verbally passed yep. down in there. So there is an origin story, but we don't know that. All of these stories are are derivatives of a very sim- – and it's obvious. Like there's a very similar string that goes through all these ancient crea- – specifically the creation myths. Um And the way they're oriented in their respective worlds is fascinating. That's a different podcast. Uh, but we should get into one of those sometimes. I w- yeah, I would love to. Uh, but so I just have an incredible time at this school. I'm getting like critical, uh, academic footwork and knowledge in the biblical stories. I'm understanding them in ways that I didn't even have the category to know before. Uh, I was very much, I was a part of a very fundamental, and I say this with grace. I was a part of a very fundamentalist, conservative community back where I grew up. It's just the way it was. It was still, and I'm totally not ashamed to say, the most impactful people I've ever met. They loved me well. They freaking cared about me. It's just the way it, it was. They were just that. They were all grew up in fundamentalist communities, and they took it for what it was, and they it's how they did it. But this allowed me to get a way out of fundamentalism while remaining appreciative of what it taught me able to read these stories with I what I would say is a much broader perspective, a much more healthful perspective and a much more truthful perspective. So my my mom and and her mom might are, are they're pretty classic Christians, right? My mo- my grandma has I think she said she's read the Bible about 12 times now, you know, cover to cover. Um and it's crazy because I love to like pick her brain about things because you know how my mind works. I always look for the occult and the esoteric yeah. stuff and the stories behind the stories. Um but I can honestly say like, you know, as as far as like a classic Christian goes, my mother has always been, you know, a graceful 
mm-hmm. you know, kind, you know, helping, you know, she taught Sunday school, you know, and my mom lives a good life, you know what I mean? She's, There's power she's, in the stories. Yeah, like, she, she, you know, she, you know, her husband, you know, he made a good living. She, and she would go out of her way to, you know, to help other people and stuff like that. She's just been a really generous and, and kind person. She doesn't really talk bad about people. She's, yeah. uh, you know, she's got, she's got a lot of, you know, for, you know, cause me and her see things a little differently sure. as far as like biblical stuff goes. Um, she's probably taking it very surface. Level. Yeah. She's, yeah. She takes it surface, but you know, over the years they've listened to my crazy fucking conspiracy babble and now they ask me questions. Yeah. They want to know my opinion on things. Well, and like but straight she, up she walked the path in, in, in what I would say a classic Christian way. Like, cause a lot of classic Christians, I don't feel like walk the path. Yeah, yeah. You know oh, I mean? for sure. It's very uh, cultural. A lot of people are just how are cultural Christians, and they don't know really any. They don't understand their faith, and they fall right in line with like secular worldviews, which I don't actually think exist. Um, there is no n- such thing as not religious. It doesn't. That's not a thing. Yeah, you, I mean, because you're, even religious. If you're an atheist. You're into science. There's your yeah, Bible. You're religious, right? And you're into science and superheroes. There's just you're, there's yeah. your messiahs. Um, fake shit. B- you are better off living a life taking the Bible literally, inappropriately, literally, and surface level than rejecting it altogether. I stand by that. I'm a testament to people who have done that. Do I do that now? Do I agree that that's the best way to read those stories? Obviously not. But it's better than throwing everything out saying, I'm an atheist, it leads to nihilism, which leads to self-destruction. And human worship, dude. Yeah. It's like the humans have been fucking this planet up for thousands of years. You'd think these people learned yeah. by now. Or, or, or you know, they're, they're so brilliant. And science is based off uh, pattern recognition and, and the most probable outcome. Well, it's pretty probable that the ocean creates waves, that cr- clouds create rain, that spiders create webs, that bookmakers create books, that authors create stories, and that mothers create children. There's a definitive pattern of creation in nature, but nothing to see here. No God. Right. Yeah. It's the, And the thing that flipped for me that was the biggest thing in this school is understanding the role of humanity in the grand narrative as it is portrayed in the biblical stories. And that is... It made me understand the power I am capable of having that is appropriately mine that I just did not understand before. Mm -hmm. And by that I mean, you know, in these biblical stories, what it's trying to display is that human beings are intended in their original purpose to be the ones who run shit. We were supposed to be the ones who were literally tiny gods here. This is our cosmos. This is our neighborhood. And we were fashioned to be like God for everything else. That's why, the, that's why I brought up the internal zodiac and why I don't think that astrology has anything to do with stars. I think it has to do with, uh, you know, our, our environment around yeah. us. So what that showed me was like, damn, like people say like I was made for more like it that it became so true. Like I'm not a helpless little piece of dust. 
I have the ability to change the world. Like yeah. I can change the world. Yes. And we through this creators. message. Yes, exactly. 100%. And so like when you understand like Tselem, which is the Hebrew word for image, it's not made in the image of God is not about a physical representation. It, it is about a power similarity. It, you, made in the image of God means you're created as a representation of him who isn't currently here. So a good analogy yes. would be a good analogy would 100%. be Caesar runs Rome. Caesar has governors that he sends to different towns because he can't be everywhere at once. Now this metaphor is going to break down because God is necessarily beyond time and space and yet in time and space by necessity. But he would send a representative who has the authority that he possesses to govern these places in his a absence. Priest. And that is what human beings were intended to be for everything. That's what you see in these creation narratives. There's the creation of all things, and then there's the creation of their governor, which is us. You know, what's crazy is like you look at J.C., Julius Caesar, Jesus Christ, and you think about the ties linked to, you know, yeah. Rome right. and the crucifixion and all that. Right. And the, the greatest flip of the story, we're getting off subject, but this is like stuff I love talking about. The greatest flip of the story is, and I actually went into this on my most recent podcast, which came out today. Um Go check that out, Ross Talks. Um, but, but the um, the um, the greatest subversive story, the most insane story I think ever told, is the story of Jesus, and what is actually being said. in In the beginning of John, it talks about the word, and you went into this before about the power of words. Um, spells and all, and the significance of the of language and the power that language possesses. In the beginning, God created through word, and that doesn't need to be language. It it symbolizes eternal wisdom and power because speech br is an act. It is an activity that brings creation into the world. Words are worlds. Exactly. And so what you have is a God in, it, in his most necessary state being in time and yet beyond time, in space and yet beyond space, in reality and yet beyond reality, trans reality, like, like so much bigger and other than we are who are limited in time and space and reality. Do you know who Kent Hovind is? Yeah, he's a crazy man. He is, but but like, have you ever seen him? He's on stage, and he's got three atheist scientists. And because Kent used to be a scientist, or he was a science teacher for so many years, they're having a debate, and they're trying to they're trying to fucking like roast Kent, and Kent just comes out and like beheads all three of these atheist scientists. I haven't seen that. I w I do know about him though. He goes through time, space, okay. and matter. Yeah. Oh, I have seen that. It's incredible. It is a that is a good zinger. Uh, for the most part, he's kind of a quack though. Yeah, I know. Like, I know he went to. Jail he's a for crazy a while. fundamentalist, like a crazy fundamentalist Christian. Like, 
the crazy kind. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm just saying I don't always throw the yeah, baby that out is the a good, water. That is a good thing. That, that is an interesting uh, – oh. I have seen that. Uh, time, space, and matter. Yes. Like, the, the trinity of uh, – The trinity of, of trinities. Uh, the thing is, is like with with a lot of things, people be like, "Oh, that guy's crazy, this and that," and then they throw the baby out with a bathwater. Oh yeah, I, tr- I try to. I don't want to do. I that try to either. learn from anything I come yeah. into contact with, even if I don't like it or I have an aversion to it. I'm like, there yeah. must. There, I I gotta. There's a pattern in this situation that will will help me. Yeah. In yeah. My taking, destiny and future. Yeah, you can take good good from from anything. Uh, so going back, I'll, and I'll finish this analogy in a second because I think it's pertinent. No, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. Uh, That's I've been doing that God, my whole life. God necess- necess- necessarily is so beyond what we can understand yes, that right. literally conceptualizing him or it or her, which is also a problem. I, I can't even conceptualize something outside of the category I, that I'm familiar with. Becomes literally an impossibility. Well, like in the in the literal sense. In touching on that too, like with with science and atheism and all this shit, is like man thinks he knows everything or he can know everything. It's like there's some things that we just don't have the the uh, the privilege yeah. or understanding capacity. or the capacity to know, and 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 so for the egocentric crazy secret society driven science community and i'm not bashing science i think a lot of science is incredible you know uh but a lot of it is pure fucking garbage and instead of admitting that they don't know they start making up lies yeah i give it the analogy of what i said in the podcast is it would be like going out to la push or nia bay up here on the coast Uh taking a, a mug dipping it in the ocean dipping it in the water and looking at that mug and going, I pretty much understand the Pacific exactly. Ocean. Exactly. Like, and it's infinitely beyond that. Infinitely. That's the thing. So you have this constant battle. This is why people read the Old Testament wrong. The Old Testament is not meant to be a book about people who have fully understood who God is. And the reason it's not that is because it's obvious. They're constantly getting shit wrong. Like well, I do- sometimes think the God of the Old Testament was a man because my Lord, my King, and he's telling people to go to war but, and murder and rape and pillage. But and here's like, yes, yeah. what a king would do. But my, that is what a king would do. I think but Christ is totally the, different than the that prop, God. And I'm going to get to that. That's the pinnacle. That's where shit flips. The reason they're using king and 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 language like that is they. What else are you supposed to use? What other language are you supposed to use? We yeah. don't have other okay, words. Yeah, yeah. A- ancient. Yeah, so there's a difference. there is necessarily a distance between what we can understand and who God is, and there's this constant line of communication. God's communicating with people, and I do believe God has communicated and still communicates with people. And how that communication happens, I don't know, but um, like. Pay attention to nature. There's communicate exactly and human nature and their surroundings. They're constantly trying to understand, and they're constantly not able to because it's like holding a mug of water and going, "I understand the Pacific Ocean." You don't understand the Pacific no, Ocean, like you're so it's so much bigger than you can ever and, imagine. And off on a different tangent, you know, when I lived in Hawaii. Um, and even before I moved to Hawaii a little bit, a lot of the yoga community, all these people that are so spiritual and, uh, and, and you know, the new age community, um, these guys 
they're like drunk on their um, vision of spirituality a lot of times, and they're calling each other, you know, all the women are goddesses. It's like, no, bitch, you're a narcissist. And, um, you know, all these people want to act, you know, it's, it's, it's always an act, and they've always grown up in, usually always grown up in nice households where they didn't, and spirituality to them is smiling and meditation on the beach and all this shit. When, yeah. to me, true spirituality comes through the testaments and trials of your life. That's where you discover who the Suffering. fuck you are and Suffering. what your spirit is all about. That's what it says in the Bible. And like, another it's what thing, it literally says. Yeah. And, and another thing is, is these people, oh, gods, and I'm in contact with this and the ascended masters. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, you are not in contact with that. Those might be demonic spirits confusing and fucking with you because we do not have the privilege or, or, or the cleanliness, spiritually, physically, or mentally, we do not have the privilege or the rights to enter the heavenly realms and the kingdom of heaven. We are third-dimensional beings. We are messy. We are still in the infancy of our development towards climbing the ladder to the kingdom of heaven. So when people try and tell me all this shit, no, they're my guru, I'm like, you guys are idiots, dude. Yeah, and it we goes— We don't have—we're 30. We're not there yet. You're not a fucking goddess. Well, so. the, the flip is that we're constantly—the the Tower of Babel is a great story for many reasons. It's another one— with so many layers of truth, that a lot too, there are so many layers of truth to it that, but it's happening right now. Like the Tower of Babel is, here's here's the main problem with the Tower of Babel in the story. It is mankind trying to get somewhere else that they think is heaven, wherever God is. They're trying to create their own version. God has created the, the whole story is about how this is supposed to be the shit. This world is supposed to be the place we call home. And we're constantly trying to get somewhere else to some other thing. And it's this constant, like God is trying to constantly remind you that this is what you're supposed to take care of because this is what is supposed to be your home. Yeah. So going back to this distance between God and man, the Old Testament is a story of the people of Israel trying to understand who God is and constantly misunderstanding Jesus Christ in the stories of the New Testament is God coming through the distance and becoming a human so that we can understand what God is like because the only way we can know what God is like is if he tells us with a human. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. You can only understand things that you know, which is, sounds circular, but that's it's true. You can only understand things that you can that you can that you can have categories for. Exactly. That's why they talk about God walking, God extending his hand. God doesn't have hands. He does he's not a man. Yeah. So they're just using words that they know to describe something they've seen yeah. or experienced that they don't really know how to experience. So what you have in Jesus is you have God becoming a person in order to demonstrate what God is like and how human beings are to represent that God. And I always say this to people because like a lot of Christians, I have a lot of friends that are Christians and I mean, I have friends of all religions, right? Hindu friends, all this stuff, right? But a lot of my Christian friends or acquaintances or whatever, they love 
to a pick my interpretation of things apart, and yet I'm sitting here watching them. They're struggling so hard, and none of them really want to face up to what's really going on or look into the demonic forces that are on this planet that are, are, are clearly their enemy. So they look, oh, well, you know, that's not the way you're supposed to do it, and if you want to be saved, this and that. And I'm like, hey, hey, check it out. I'm not looking for a superhero to fucking take me away from my problems. I'm trying to follow the superheroes. Uh, the the I'm yeah. trying to follow Christ's example. Exactly. I'm not trying to say, oh, shit, Jesus, I'm having all these problems. Come save me and, now. I'm like saying, what would Jesus do? How can I be like Jesus? That's right. Right? Because a lot of people aren't doing that Understanding shit. you're capable. And again... I'm not a classic Christian. A lot of Christians tell me, oh, well, you know, you're not going to be saved, this and that. And I'm like, fuck it. We'll see what time it is when this shit is over because as far as I'm concerned, you know, I fast. I meditate. I pray. I do the work. I do shit I don't want to do all the times. I pay attention to God's messages out there in nature, natural law, and human nature and things like that. And yeah, a lot of times I question myself, but also... I feel like, well, if this isn't the way to do it, how the fuck do you do it? I mean, I'm right. trying to follow his example, right? Even though I'm not a, I'm not a Christian, right? Straight out, right? But I love the Bible and I love the stories and the metaphors and. and You're Jesus. not a Christian in the sense that it's been demonstrated in American like Christianity, yes. but in some respect you are. But in like the most purest form of like, listening to and following. To some degree, the Messiah. Like, well, I always say his truth. message is love, healing, and truth. If you know love, healing, and truth, if you're Native American, you're Muslim, or whatever, and you live your life and you know love, healing, and truth, guess what? You know Christ. You know the Messiah. You know That's God. Right. There's no separation. There's only one God, and there's a bunch of spirits in between, and a lot of them. That's why I don't fuck around with Ouija boards and seances and all this shit because it gets dark yeah so like you have god becoming a human and the greatest most insane story ever told is is this and this does not get preached from pulpits dude this doesn't come and i and it blows my mind because this story that i'm about to tell you right now is the greatest most insane flip of all time it's like natural god, medicine versus popular dude, health right now god becomes a human in order to show humanity how they can have power in the world right now and change things and humanity killed God. That's a crazy, yeah. that is a crazy freaking story. And God lets them kill him in order to be an example because he realizes the only way they're going to understand is I'm going to have to die and I come back to life and show them that the way of life in this age is, is a different way it, it comes through a different set of life principles, love, healing, and truth, like you said. And it goes back to the myth of the trueness in the myths of these stories is so deep and layered that if you say, that shit didn't happen, then you're so, you've missed it so far that you need to have somebody redirect you to learn how to read these stories. And, and that goes along the lines of like, what about like when, when the, 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 the... I'm going to put the, that water back on. Yeah. Bottom. The Israelites are fucking, they're, they're hanging. I think they were like in bondage or something like that. And then, uh, you know, uh, 
God comes down through Moses and, and does all this crazy yeah. work and shows his power, this and that, and, and then warns him, hey, you're not to be worshiping false idols again. Do not do that. Because oh, yeah, God, no problem. Within 20 to 40 days, these and these guys yeah. saw the power of God Golden at work. Cows. They're fucking back to worshiping false idols and again. He, here's why that's crazy. Because... The story has but already that's like humanity. Exactly. It's like, that's hey, our, we know this curse. shit is bad, but we just keep going back and our doing curse. it all over again. And here's the curse. Like the Chronicles of Narnia actually are really good. They're a really good like breakdown of how this is supposed to be in that story. You have these kids who, when they enter into this Narnia world, Everyone around them sees them for who they are, and they have no idea what they're talking about. They call them the sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. Like, they've been waiting for them, and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like 13 years old. I don't even know what this place is. So when, when you worship idols in these stories, when they're worshiping idols, when they're, it's essentially forgetting who they are. They are the kings and queens of planet Earth. And they're worshiping created things like they're worshiping animals and other gods that they have primacy over like the the absurdity of none of this shit with you. The absurdity of all that is evident in the stories when you follow them. Right. Like you're supposed to be right below the creator God himself. And what you're doing instead is putting yourself lower than animals. That's crazy. So what you have Jesus dying, coming back to life, is demonstrating, you know, this, the way you're supposed to be and how power comes in, diff- in a way that's totally foreign to the rest of the world. And it's an amazing story. And, I, and it's, it's, life, it's, it's been life-changing for me, like hearing the truth of that and, and knowing that the power is here, like the Spirit of God, the, the Logos, the Word the of Logos, God that yes. created in the beginning resides within me. And so part of embracing that is the idea of forgiving your enemy, like loving your enemies. That's an insane counterproductive way of life. No, and I'm going to I'm going to break something down really quick with that. Like cuz we all know that I'm a crazy conspiracy theorist even though all the conspiracies I follow have a bunch of fucking paperwork to back them all up. Um and when I talk about like if you listen to my satanic uh cult ritual abuse and stuff like that, I go into how all of our, our – not all of our politicians, but a large majority of them, all the key players that are, that are clearly trying to destroy the, pl- the, 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 not only the planet but the country and, and, and pretend like they care about us more than we care about us and things like that. These people all grew up in satanic cult families, which means that they were molested and raped as infants and children. And I tell people a lot of times – you guys think I hate my government. I, I'm actually a lot more uh, forgiving on politicians than I am on the people that praise and worship them. Because I say, these politicians, they're politicians. That's what they're going to do, right. right? You guys are the fucking retards uh, supporting them. So, like, it's it's like you guys are worse than them because if you're n- not smart enough to see the trickery that they're behind, well, you're an idiot. But I, as far as like the, the why I would say is, is the Christ-like compassion is if these guys grew up in satanic and, and cult-based families, wealthy families that have been ruling for thousands of years, 
That means that they were getting molested and fucked with and, and put through a rigorous fucked up ceremonial form of torture to break their minds. So I have to look at Hillary Clinton and say, oh, shit, she was once a little girl getting molested by her exactly. dad and the Colt family. And I have to say, shit, do I want her to get arrested? Yes, I do. Do I want her to get murdered? No, I want her to go to jail. And I want them to try and 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 eliminate some of the, the spiritual blowback that's going to happen to these people. Because... I'm under the interpretation, I don't know this for sure, I believe in reincarnation. I mean, Christ resurrected from the grave, right? Right. Right? Jonah resurrected from the belly of the whale. Right. So there's lots of resurrection going on in these books, which is why I like the, theolo the theological, esoteric versions of this stuff. So I'm under the interpretation that you come here to learn. If you don't learn... You come back. Well, guess what? I'm tired of coming back. And I believe I've been here a million times. And, and so if we can get these politicians to learn before they die, and, and believe me, I feel like for every life they've destroyed, that's going to be a lifetime back here in this dimension. And this isn't even the worst of the dimensions, to my understanding. But... I don't know. I, I feel like compassion, even to your most bitter enemy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not that you don't call out evil when it's evil, but there's just a different headspace. It's a different, it creates a different headspace. So that brings me to back around to my father. I remember sitting in chapel. That was a hell of a diversion. Yeah. Uh, I hope they, if you're listeners, that uh, that's interesting. Yeah, they'll, they'll like it. Um, I'm sitting in chapel, and at this point, I'm. My dad hasn't reached out to me. We don't talk. Uh, but I'm beginning to, to understand like what I need to do, and that is I need to figure out how to forgive him and restore that relationship, because I can't keep hating him. I just can't do it. Once I forgave my father. I swear to God, a heavy cloud left me. Yes. So I didn't forgive him till I was in my truly forgive him till I was, you know, 35 years old. Yeah. I didn't want to last that long. And I'm sitting in chapel and the guys talk, the preachers talking about this analogy of how he understands God as a father by the way he remembers being a child and coming home from school. And he had a dad who had some kind of, you know, manly job working with his hands and he had big strong really calloused rough hands he would come home from school and his dad would wrap him up and he'd put one of his hands right on the back of his head and he said he'd never felt more safe than when his dad's hand swallowed his head uh you know when he got home from school and i had a i broke down like in chapel like just hearing that story because i realized i don't have a clue what he's talking about mm -hmm. i've never had a man's hands like in a loving way, embrace me. Yeah, your father. So it made me feel like bigger. I don't, that translated to, I don't really know how to understand who God is. If this guy's saying it's like this for him, like maybe I don't know anything. And so I went through this period of like, I've got to figure this out. I've got to. Well, my dad sends me a video message about this time. I'm almost 24. And it's him. Uh, sitting on a twin size bed in a little trailer, sad looking 
place, and he's been crying, and he says, hey, uh, bud, he calls me bud all the time, but he says, hey, bud, uh, I just had something to tell you. It looks like I may not have much time to live, and I really would love to see you, uh, despite, you know, how badly I've fathered you. And please just reach out to me and talk to me. Uh, I would love to just see you before my time ends. And it was like God had delivered that message right. It was right in the middle of me figuring out, like, I need to figure a way to meet him. And now he sends me a message saying, my time's limited. Like, four months is what he said. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't know what to do. Part of me wants to go out there and see him. And still I have part of me that's like, no, like, I don't owe him anything. Like, I don't. It's going to cost me a bunch of money. I'm in college. I'm trying to finish my last year of school. Like, there are a lot of problems with it. Yeah. And I have a dream, which sounds crazy. And a lot of people think I'm crazy. But No, I, I, have, I had psychic dreams about my brother's death three I times had a, within months of his death. Wow. I remember you telling me that. But I have a dream. And the dream is I'm sitting at a train station. I'm sitting at a bar that is like just like a tabletop, like a bar. Yeah, I did. Um, a tabletop bar that is sitting right next to a train station and I'm sitting next to one of my theological heroes, Stanley Hauerwas. And he's I'm sitting there talking to him in the dream. In the dream. And I'm telling him about this co- conflict I have in my mind with my dad like do I go see him? Do I not? Like what's the right thing to do? And he looks at me and goes, "Have you ever read Luke 15?" And Luke 15 is the uh the uh prodigal son story if you don't know that story in a very brief version there's a man with two sons and he's super wealthy he has a huge farm tons of servants on the farm it's a good servant situation they all live high on the horse and one of his sons comes to him and says hey basically i'm ready to get out of here and i don't want to wait for you to die for me to get my inheritance so i want to cash out now and i'm done here with this And his father gives him his inheritance, and he leaves. And what he does is he goes off and he squanders his wealth. He prostitutes, drugs. He finds himself broke, working for a pig farm. And on one evening, he realizes that the pigs eat better than he does. And he has a thought, I got to go back home. Even the servants at my dad's house eat better than I do. And... He just has this moment of like repentance of I got to go back and apologize to my dad. And I just am hoping he accepts me after I've just blown all of his wealth for the last few years. And the story picks up with the son walking home miles and miles and miles home. And when he finds out comes over the last crest and can see the family farm, his dad's been waiting and watching Ah. for him to come back the whole time. And as soon as his dad sees him, he runs to his son, embraces him, and then calls for the household and says, get the robe, get the rings, get the sandals, put it on his feet. My son's come home. It's a party. Let's throw the party. And he welcomes him back, fully open arms, no strings attached. I'm just glad you're back. Forgiven you. You're forgiven. And Stan, and, and that's this. so Stanley goes, you know Luke 15? I said, yeah. And he goes, if the roles were reversed, the story still works. And I was like, damn. 
Well, even, yes, and even still, like, that's a great metaphor for, like, the, the patterns of, like, you know, uh, what I just said about our cyclical nature of reincarnation and things of that nature. Mm. It's like, are, are, are you going to learn it this lifetime? Right. Or, or are you going to, are you, are you, because I believe the, the goal of all of this is if one of us doesn't make it, none of us make it. So mm. we separate ourselves from these politicians a lot and these, you know, these people a lot. But the fact is, is they're one of us. Now, they may have gotten confused along the line somewhere. Yeah. But eventually, they have to come home. That's why, right. you know, while well, you said God is out of time, you know, like you've been in situations in your life where 30 seconds seems like 30 minutes. Right. Like it's never going to end, right? Yeah. So imagine if you had to spend 30 lifetimes as a slaughterhouse uh, cattle for, you know, the shit you did as a serial killer here, right? Mm. You got to suffer. Eventually, your penance will be up, and you got to go home, dude. Yeah. And a lot of people, they don't want, oh, no, you're just going to spend the rest of your... Everybody always wants, they want to, they want to, they want a witch burning. Oh, right. no, you're going to go to hell for eternity. Right. I, I don't believe that God... <laughs> If God is truly loving, I think even God wants salvation well, for if you the Satanists. Imagine this. Just think about this. This is something I've been thinking about lately. God in and the... That in supersedes the, just Christianity. I'm the, not talk, saying this as a Christian. Well, in the biblical stories, it's, it's clear. Jesus says it. It's clear. And everywhere else, you're to love your enemy. You're to do... What is best for the one who wants to do the worst to you? How could God ask us to do that if he himself is not willing to do that? So the idea of like eternal hell forever. That seems like something God would not want us to do if we were in his position. So it makes me like, I don't know that that is the p Christian position. I think that might be a fundamentalist misinterpretation of yeah. because God is ultimately trying to get us to demonstrate a life that is as he is. And if he's asking us to love our enemy to the point that we're doing what's best for them when they are doing what's worse for us, would he not do the same thing? Well, that's another interesting thing. Like when it comes to religions and things like that, like, I try to look at my life as a as as a living religious text where I was born naked and afraid. I had nothing but my naked body. And thank God I had a mom and a dad and you know like you know life is rough or whatever, but I look at my life as a biblical process. So I take the Bible out of it. The Bible is a tool. But the the real, real testament is in the path you walk, right? Yeah. We have an inherent knowing. I mean, in the Bible it says the kingdom of heaven is within you, right? And that's not just some catchy phrase. It no, literally— It's power. It's a powerful it, the, and like you reality. Said, do, do you want to sit here and, and do you want to— do you want to you, you throw yourself at the mercy 
uh, of Jesus and hope that he's going to save you? Or do you want to take up his sword and fight alongside him in that path? Right. The right? way is what or, he's or, or Muhammad or whatever, any of these people, right? You know, Vishnu or, or, or whatever it is. Do you want to walk like looking at your religion as a fucking sporting team? <laughs> right. Or do you want to get on the field and play, dude? Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a great point. It's about learning to love in the right way. But I wake up from this dream and I'm like, wow. So if the roles were reversed and it was the father who ran off, who's now coming back, the story is still true yes. if I'm the one who runs and embraces it. Because he clearly wants to come back. He says this to you in the dream? In the dream. Wow. And I wake up from the dream and I'm like, okay. Well, here's the next problem. Um, I don't have any money. My wife and I... At this, at, like right now, as we sit here now, it was a great, one of the most wisest decisions we ever made. We decided not to take out student loans. So we just worked full time, went to school full time, paid our tuition every month, and graduated with no debt. And uh, it was like a life changing moment, you know, that we did that. But what that meant was while we were in school, we didn't have any money. And so I didn't have plane tickets to fly me and my wife and. Uh, my brothers didn't have money to fly themselves to Seattle and, and go to squim and visit him. So now I'm like, okay, I've decided I think I do need to go see him. Now I just need to figure out how to get there. Well, at this point I'm a senior, and I, I actually ended up graduating with the with the biblical, uh, what was it, uh, outstanding graduate in biblical studies for my class, which was cool. I never got an academic award before. But what that meant was like I was qualified to like teach freshman level courses occasionally. Like I could sub in for a professor if he was going to be gone and I could teach a freshman level Bible course. So that's what I was doing. I was teaching on Luke, just the beginning of Luke, did a little lecture on it. It was 930 at night. I'm walking home and this kid from class stops me in the middle of the street. He goes, hey, man, uh, you mentioned something in class I just want to ask you about. And I was like, sure, go ahead. He goes, can you tell me about your dad? And I was like, my dad? No, no. And I go, yeah, it's really funny you ask me that. Like, uh, you asked, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it on you. But just know, like, it's kind of heavy, and I'm dealing with it right now. And I break down a story for him, like what I just told you. He goes, okay. Well, you don't know me, but God has given me things that allow me to help people. This kid's like 18. And I just want to let you know that I'm going to pay for your trip. And I'm wow. I'm standing in the road like and I'm looking at him like I'm looking at you now and I'm like I don't know what to say. I don't have anything to give you. He goes, "You don't going to give me anything." And hugged me for probably 15 seconds. Standing and in the and road. that's when you felt what you were looking for when yep. the guy's hand went around your head. Yep. I realized this is the spirit of, this is the spirit of God. This is what we are supposed to be. He just granted me the opportunity to redeem this relationship. And he did. He he goes, Book the tickets and I'll send you the money. And he did. 
And I flew out. I spent five days with my dad. And it How was, did you know this guy? I didn't. Just random student? He was, he was in class that I was teaching. And you never, never seen you him talk before. talk about your dad? No. No. Um, yeah, you want to talk about, like, God why, works in mysterious saying, ways, yeah, dude. Religion is far more mystical I have no, there's, and intense than people can imagine. There's no... You just got to open your eyes. Yeah. You just got to open your eyes. There's no way to explain how... What how that happened but anyway so i go out and i spend five days with my dad and all five days it becomes obvious he's still an alcoholic he was wake he he had stored all his booze in his truck while we were here you know and he'd wake up real early and go slam a couple beers first thing still an alcoholic yeah lung cancer had gotten real bad he was on oxygen still smoking but what was so obvious what was most obvious is how lonely he was Mm -hmm. he was a lonely sad sick dying man and what was obvious was he's been that way for the last 16 years lonely nobody beside him no no friends no companion and it was a great five days with a very sick lonely man and yet i never knew how to bring up the questions i wanted to ask him which were why'd you leave Where'd you go? Did you ever figure that out? On the last day, his who he had a kind of an on and off girlfriend while he was here. They drove us to SeaTac Airport. We're taking the red eye back to Dallas, and they're just staying in the terminal, you know, as long as possible, just in the last few minutes that we can possibly get, because it's very obvious to everyone we probably won't do this again before he dies. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking at a bookshelf looking at some books and I feel his hand touch my shoulder and I turn around and he is melting with tears. My two brothers come over and uh, before I go into, into this part, I did want to mention too, on our first night when we were going to bed, my brothers were sleeping together on an air mattress and my dad turned out the lights and he goes, I love you boys. And both of my brothers pretended to be asleep. And the next day, I they told me that they didn't know what to say. Yeah. So they just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And I told them that day, you don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. You don't know him. And you, don't, you don't have to tell him you love him. You just, you know, just be here. All I'm asking is that you're present for these next few days. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Just be open. And they were. My brothers come over. We're in the airport. And my dad puts his hand on my other brother's shoulder. It's the three of us standing, and he is weeping, barely able to stand up. He's weak, and we're just standing there. Every, you know, everybody's got an arm around the next person beside him. And he goes, I'm so sorry that I wasn't there. It's the greatest regret of my life, and these have been the best five days of my life. Wow. And I said, I forgive you. Just like it, it was in the chance. It happened. Damn, son. I said, I, tears welling up in the back of my eyes. Yeah. I said, I forgive you. It's okay. We can make the best of what time we have left. And both my brothers said, yeah, we love you. And it happened, dude. Reconciled. Reconciliation. And he died five months later. He repented. Yes. Healed, dude. Healed. Healed. It healed him. Yes. It healed him. It healed me. 
Yeah, now, yeah, you guys, you guys did what you were supposed to do, and it was antithetical to what most people would have said. Like, most people said to me all growing up what you have said to me, and I do not blame them for saying it. What was told to me was you deserve to be pissed off, and well, so for a what, period of time, exactly, and and to some degree, yes. But what it allowed me do, to do was embrace that pissed off with no desire or or goal to ever reconcile. And I understand why people said that. Yeah. And I get it. And I don't think they were necessarily well, everybody wrong. Everybody wants to burn a witch. But, dude, I'm telling you, the freedom that blasted through my veins, the ecstasy that was surging through my body when I got onto that airplane, knowing he can die. Or I can die, and I will have no regrets yeah. about this trip. I, I have no animosity toward the man today. Yeah. Nothing. It was a good five days, man. Yeah. It was a good five days. And I know for a fact um, it healed more than one relationship because you know what else? When I was here visiting him, I told you his brother lives up here. Yeah. That's who I'm staying with and yeah, some yeah, property he owns. Yeah. They didn't. He lives in Port Angeles. My dad lived in Squim. They didn't even have each other's phone number. They didn't talk. Uh, they I, didn't know where each other lived. They lived fifteen miles apart. How did, so they didn't even know that they were living fifteen miles. Apart? No, they knew. They didn't want to know. Oh, it was there was some bad blood. That's what I was. I was like, what? And animosity there. My uncle is a nurse. Whenever I left, whenever I was here, I was like, I want to see my uncle less. Yeah. I mean, I know you, it was obvious. Nobody said anything, but it was obvious. Like when I would Did you stay up. in touch with uncle less over the no. years? No, no. But Did I you knew remember he was, him from a little kid. Yeah. I knew he was up here. I knew I had an uncle less and now I'm here. I'm so close. I'm like, I want to see him. Like, let's go get pizza one night. My dad agreed. We lined it up. It was the first time they had gotten together in years and the tension in the air was freaking thick. But I didn't care. Like, I, I this is my, I'm taking, yeah. I'm like selfish right here. Cause I'm like, I want to see these people. These, this is my family too. Like, I'm going to get together. I know you're uncomfortable, but deal with it. Yeah. After we left, they, what was our pizza night eventually evolved into a really good conversation. And my dad's life ended the last three months of his life. His brother lived with him and took care of him, gave him his meds, wow. gave him his food. And was there the night he died. Who was older? Uh, my dad. My dad was older. So their relationship was rekindled because of our relationship being rekindled. And, the, and you know, again, with a lot of this stuff is, is, you know, again, back to like karma and all this stuff. I feel like a lot of the stuff we do with this opportunities that we have in life, it's like, you know, we can we can go down the wrong path or we can find out a way to heal generations. Mm -hmm. Even if those generations are no longer with us, how are we going to, how are we going to leave this, our family name on this planet? And, and I, yeah, it's a family name, big fucking deal. But at the same time, it's, it's, it goes past the name to the lineage itself. You know, did I come from a, a, a family of alcoholics? Did I, did I come from a, a family of, you know, people that abuse children or, or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And how can I leave 
How can I make? How can I heal my lineage? It literally changes the world. That's the point. That's yes. the point I want to say. Absolutely. Like, the world changed when I came, and my dad fell apart in the airport, and I said, "I forgive you," and I meant it. The world shifted. The air in the in the place shifted, to the degree that it. He died, on his bed, looking at his brother that he hadn't seen in years. You can't tell me that that's not power, godlike power. I'm I'm sure popular science has an amazing explanation yeah, for all that. Yeah, it just, right? dude. Oh well, yeah, I don't yeah. Got you time just for forgave that. each other, and I don't got time for that. Yeah. Anyways, dude, I was there. Yeah. And I'm exactly. telling you, it was, it was, the the most realist, the most potent I've ever felt humanity, like. Well, it's like, and that's God, God, and by that I mean the nearest I've felt to God. It's like patterns in nature. Certain things happen in, in the ocean, and those ripples travel, right? Yeah. And so what you have here is what I think in that relationship, Christ-likeness. Not, not, it was my attempt to, to do what I thought was what I was supposed to do. It was my dad's openness to admit that he's been a piece of shit his whole adult life. And then it took guts for my uncle to agree to go have pizza with him. And all of us being open and willing to explore a relationship ended up healing so many broken relationships that it changed the course of, of it changed the world and it changed the course of the lives of the people who were involved. Like straight up. 100%. Straight up. And I don't know. It just, yeah, that's my story, man. <laughs> now I live up here. Uh, and now we, we've crossed paths. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, let's, uh, if you have a little bit more time, yeah. let's get into, uh, let's get into a little bit about, you know, wrestling and, and, and all that. And, and, uh, you know, why, why, why you liked wrestling so much? What, what was it about wrestling that it really, you know, cause I, 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 I've said it before, you know, I love Muay Thai. That's my, that's my shit. I've tried jujitsu. I get injured a lot. Uh, uh, and I and I and I'm fascinated by jujitsu, and I and I watch a lot of it, Polaris, and, and a lot of those, you know, the combat jujitsu and stuff like that. Um, and and, and I want to get, you know, you know, some some privates and stuff like that, and and, and, and instead of you know the the free rolls where mm. I always wind up getting fucking injured. Yeah. Um. But uh. You know, we love martial arts, right? Yeah. I mean, and 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 the, I want to know what it was about wrestling. Yeah. Um. So, I was extremely small, growing up. I'm still not a big guy, yeah. but I was very. Small. How much do you weigh? Like one sixty. Oh shit! I didn't. You, I, how tall are you? Not quite five eight. Yeah, I'm five eight. I'm a little taller than you, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, with yeah, shoes on, I'm mean? like right shit. at five eight. Yeah. Yeah. So. When I was a freshman in high school, I, this is no bullshit. I was 4'11 and weighed 89 pounds. A freshman in high as school? As a freshman in high school. And I wanted to play basketball. <laughs> so um, I wanted to play basketball. The summer in between eighth grade and high school, I'm doing all the open gyms for basketball. And 
I had, I had, there's more background to this, but because my dad wasn't around, um, I think subconsciously I was afraid that it may have been because of me that he wasn't around. Mm. There was something about me that he didn't like or something. And so I desperately, desperately wanted people to like, to like me. I wanted people to be impressed with me, Mm -hmm. not because of some other reason than I just don't want, I want people to be around. Mm -hmm. And if I can get people to be around, but because they like me, then I'll do whatever I need to do for them to like me. Mm -hmm. That's why I play basketball because that's where friends were. Um, I was, it was the summertime. I was at the, I was at the baseball fields, just hanging out with buddies, you know, typical like 14 year old shenanigans stuff. And the wrestling coach for the high school team saw me and I knew his son. He was my age. He goes, Hey Ross, what are you doing in the winter for in high school? I said, I'm going to play basketball. And he goes, no, you're not. Look at you're, you're like a tiny little man. You won't see one minute of playing time. And I was like, uh, why? Is it, you know? Yeah. He's like, you're going to wrestle. Crushed your dreams. Yeah, he's like, you're going to wrestle. I'm going to turn you into a killing machine. Dude, he just told me. He goes, you're going to wrestle. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and I tried out for wrestling. And uh, I realized that you get exactly what you get at, you put into it. Yeah. There's no other way around it. There's no team. There's no guy who takes the shot and misses and you can blame him. There's no guy... On your team who yeah. doesn't defend the guy and he makes the last second shot. And you That's can, why I love martial arts. Dude, it's, a, it's, a, it's you. Yes. It's you. And everybody's watching you. And if you lose, guess what? It's because the other guy was better. Uh-huh. And that's it. And I liked that. And I was able to try really hard. And I tried really, really hard. And I was able to see for the first time that like, I can be determined. And I can make it happen for me. Like I could try as hard as I wanted on the basketball court, and there were it just didn't. I was never gonna make a difference. Yeah, you thought because you looked like Leonardo DiCaprio that it was gonna be the basketball diaries for you, right? <laughs> so I, uh, it just sucked me in, dude. And and there's also something about the. Everybody likes to think that their sport is harder or better than the, anybody else's sport, but I'm telling you, in high school, no practice for any other sports team was as difficult as wrestling yeah are they cutting i don't care i don't care what anybody says we ran more than the cross country team we did more uh live drilling than any other freaking sport we were all cutting weight it was and it was all individual cutting weight was your responsibility uh running and and by the way you cut weight by running so i ran more Mm -hmm. than we did in practice so i mean it was brutally hard, and what that does, and you probably know this from all of your training, when you go through very difficult stuff like that with teammates, you get close with those teammates. Absolutely. Like, you identify with that struggle. And so I just made some really great friends. I ended up, you know, having a pretty good high school career, um, wrestled a little bit in college, and just got, you know, that hard-nosed attitude that has translated to way more aspects of life than just wrestling like for me discipline the determination the discipline the uh that's why i was so pissed that i was late today my phone my phone died last night and i and i had an alarm set and my phone died and so i woke up late and uh 
I've just, it makes me mad because I'm mad when other people don't show up and now I'm the one that didn't show up. So, but, but yeah, it translated everything. I, and it made me realize that it, anything I want to do, I can do because I've done the hardest thing, like way harder than any other average Joe out there playing football or basketball. And I like football and basketball. I'll play, you know, I'll play pickup games and stuff and it's fun, but it's not the same. It's just not the same thing. It's just not. And so there was a brutality and finesse to wrestling specifically that I thought it just scratched an itch in me that nothing else really did. Something primal, mm-hmm. something deeper in my DNA that mm-hmm. just kept me coming back. I mean, it goes back to freaking Rome and before that probably, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, Jacob wrestled with God himself. You know, it's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, there's just something about it. And then a- after college, you know, I-, I joined a gym, like a weightlifting gym, because it was after college. And I was like, you know, I, I got to be active because I've always believed in being active. I never want to just be sitting around. This is why that's the, my biggest problem with the quarantine is or one of them is the, all the gyms are closed. I can't do jujitsu or anything. But uh, I joined a weightlifting gym and freaking that lasted about a month. I was so bored just lifting weights in this stupid gym. And so I thought, you know, I've jiu- I know jujitsu is grappling. That's maybe a little similar to wrestling. So I'll just try that. So I just walked in. I Googled like the, the most well-respected gym in Dallas. I walked into the gym. I found the coach. I said, hey, I don't have any money. I'm a student and I work full time. But I wrestled. And I would be willing I'll to clean like, your mats. I'll clean your mats. I'll teach wrestling classes. I'll teach takedowns to the kids. Like if you'll just let me train. And he agreed to do that. And so that's when I started jujitsu. And that's when I realized like it's a whole nother world that I'm just obsessed with. That it touches wrestling enough that it gives me an, an advantage. And like I skip all the beginning like leverage, leverage and balance. I already got all that down. So I'm down to just like the transitions and the moves and it's new. It's similar enough that my body responds quickly, but it's new enough that it's like a whole new like class. Mm-hmm. And so it's exciting for me. And it's a t- testing ground. Like That's the other thing, too, is like you can't fake it there. I can go play a pickup game right now, basketball, and I can fake it pretty good. Like I can hustle. I'll play defense. Mm-hmm. I'll get the ball around. Like I'll play hard. Yeah. And no one will ever know that I don't. I never really played basketball yeah. on any team. There's no faking it in jujitsu. Like you either get choked or you don't get choked. Yeah. Like you either choke or you do the choking. Like it's the way it is. Yeah, it's like that with martial arts, and, and that's the way a lot of life is. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like you can't fake. You can't fake it till you die. Like you're gonna be found out. So get your shit together. Um, and there's a way to do that, and it's it can be it within you, like it's within your 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 own discipline and self determination to accomplish things you want to accomplish, and that's jujitsu helps. It's kind of like church, in a way. Like jujitsu helps remind me that I'm deficient, but if I want to not be deficient, I can change that. And so that's what I love. It's a mental, it's a mental fight as much as it is a physical fight. Yeah, I, I think like yeah, just martial arts in general. It's like yeah, you can't fake it. Like you know, you gotta yeah. 
you know, how are you striking? Where, where are your hands at? Are you pivoting when you throw that? You know, yeah. it's not all in your, it's not in your shoulders all the time. Your hips and your feet, every, every, you know, the dynamics of your entire physiology are in your kicks and right. your punches and your knees and your elbows. It's a full body thing. And that goes into like wellness. Like it takes your whole body being aligned to be the best grappler, the best striker that you can be. And in the same way with life, like you you need to be healthy and limber mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually and open to the technique, open to different viewpoints, open to different frameworks that's going to make you the best grappler. It's going to make you the best striker, the best mixed martial artist in the, in the same way in life, like being open, being flexible, being healthy, eating the right food, doing the right things. Treating people the right way is going to optimize your your life and your and you as a person, and that person changes the world. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm testament. I'm a living testament to that. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's crazy. Like, yeah, the older I get, the more I realize that uh, martial arts goes beyond like you know like UFC and all that stuff. I mean, I've always kind of known it. You know, I've been had the privilege of getting to do Muay Thai since I was, you know, off and on since I was 13 years old. I'm 43 now. And, uh, you know, it's a lifestyle a lot of times. And, it, and it, it, it goes to, you know, the watchdogs in the night, you know, like that, that, yeah. like that have foresight that, you know, hey, there's wolves in the woods mm-hmm. and we need to stay on guard. And the wolves in the woods now for me – our government and deep state and re, you know religious institutions and yeah. banks and and you look at a lot of the people that aren't healthy and that aren't training and that they're fucking popping pills and, and getting fucked up all the time and they want us to listen to them and take them seriously but they're not doing the work they're looking for an easy way out and and the wolves are just circling their hen houses right. And that's why, like, I like to use Eddie Bravo a lot of times because, you know, a lot of people, they laugh at him. Oh, that's stupid, this and that. But it's like, he's a crazy conspiracy theorist. But I'm like, he goes back to the ancient lineage of the the martial artists that were training to defend themselves from the tyrannical governments and shoguns of their day. Well, that and that's what hell is. Like, hell is living under deception. And it, there's a lot of people living in hell right now. Yeah. Like all over the world. And I'm just trying to live in the kingdom. Like, well, hell is a lie, dude. Right. Yeah. That's not what God is about. Exactly. It's, 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 it's a lie. There's miserable people who are filled with terrible food. You got deceived into coming life. here. They're listening with open ears to the freaking masters of the world. And they're living in hell. They're miserable. They're depressed. Yeah, they're, they're on relying meds. on someone else to tell That's them hell. what reality is. That's hell. Hell and is I don't deception. Live the I truth wanna... is, you know yourself, then you'll know, you'll have a better understanding of your own healing, your own well-being, what God really is. Right. Otherwise, you can rely on Dr. Fauci, who was raised in a, a militant Catholic home, who is a Jesuit, which is 
has sworn allegiance to the Vatican, which to me is a satanic church. I mean, the symbols are all there. They're fucking children all the time. <laughs> and they're like the most opulent institution on the world, but they're not feeding the fucking homeless. Mm. You know? Mm. What a crazy journey this podcast was, huh? Yeah, man. Thanks for letting me come on and yeah. talk. I really appreciate it. I just feel it. like we get we get, get into crazy shit, and yeah. we probably need to do it a little more if we can, but our lives I love crazy. talking to you, man. I love it. Well, we got. We'll, we'll, we'll think of some new shit to to to, to talk about in the yeah. next week or two or whenever we, we get back together. Yeah. I hope this was a good. One. I hope they like it. Yeah, people like it. They, people might have to take a little break in between this one. I think this one might be over three hours. We'll see. Oh my gosh! But uh, you got anything you want to say? Plug yourself or? Well, I got a single out right now. Ross Allen Worthy on Spotify or iTunes. Please stream that, and I'm releasing an album July first. Uh, mixing and mastering stage is happening. I got a podcast called Ross Talks, and it's basically just a stream of consciousness consciousness podcast. Where I just I use it kind of like a journal. I like to interview people. When I can't interview people, I kind of use it as like a personal journal just to s- talk about what's on my mind. So, and, I, and I've came on Ross Talks three three different times. Yeah, and it's always lights out, awesome. So we'll get you back on too. We need to. I need to. We need to keep exchanging each other's talents yeah. on on each other's podcast but that's it i'm just living it up and trying to stay busy right on thank you for coming on and guys like my podcast give me some some five star reviews leave me a good comment if you can share my podcast if you like it i really appreciate it i wake up every morning i meditate i pray for all of us and uh, I'm not making any money off this podcast. I did this out of a labor of love because I can't tattoo. And I felt like I needed, my sense of purpose needed to happen. And the only, and, you know, if I'm not going to make money, I still got to do something that's going to be gratifying to my soul. And so I got to get some information out there. And I hope you guys appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Ross.